Well, last week we started a series on the book of Philippians, and today we're going to continue that series. And as we mentioned last week, we just kind of took some time to do the introduction. That, uh, and we mentioned the fact that the author of the book of Philippians was the Apostle Paul. And that's really important as you study the book of Philippians, because we know that Paul, whenever he wrote this book, he wasn't sitting in a lazy boy in his living room, but he was in prison. He was in jail. So what he writes to us, uh, we know that he's not like had this easy life, this non-troubled problem life. And he's writing from the place of just not having a clue. How many of you know Paul had a clue? Amen. And we know that the purpose, as we mentioned last week, the purpose that Paul wrote this letter to the book of Philippians was one to thank them for their generosity, because this church had a vision for the kingdom of God. And they supported him financially like no other church. In fact, he would go out preaching to other churches and had to be supported by this church because the other churches were not getting on board. And so he was thanking them for their financial generosity. But number two, he was writing to encourage the church in their walk and their journey of faith. How many of you know we need to be encouraged in our walk? We need to be motivated. Amen. And the key verse of Philippians, we said, was Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, hopefully by the time we end that series, if you know one verse in the Bible, it's Philippians 4, 4. Amen. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, let me hear it. Rejoice. Rejoice means to be cheerful means to be joyful, means to be glad. Twelve times in four chapters, Paul encourages us to rejoice, be joyful. And it's obvious that the theme of Philippians can be summarized with one word, and that's joy. Joy. How many of you know you need joy? Supernatural, outrageous, contagious, joy. We need joy, amen? So it seems that the one thing Paul wanted the Philippian church to get from this letter that he was writing is, is the need for the believer to have the joy of the Lord. Come on, how many of you know we need joy? And listen, Paul learned that joy is not dependent on circumstances or situations, but rather in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He learned that. He didn't necessarily know it all the time, but he learned that the joy of the Lord doesn't hinge on whether your circumstances are going good or not. Are y'all hearing me this morning? But the problem is sometimes we allow circumstances and situations in our life to steal the joy of the Lord. How many of you have been there at least once in your life? Let me see your hands. How many of you have been there once already today? Let me see your hands. Amen. Hey, let me ask you a question. Can you have joy when you lose a job that you've had for 10 years? Can you have joy? Can you have joy even when you go, you tragically lose somebody through an accident or, you know, a sudden death? Can you still have joy even though you go through that? Can you have joy when your boyfriend or your girlfriend walks out on you or your spouse leaves for no unknown reason? Can you still have joy? See, the question is, can you have joy no matter what you go through? Can you have joy? Because the world's way of looking at joy, it's totally related and connected to what you're dealing with or what you're going through. But I believe that you can have joy no matter what you go through. 
as long as you don't depend on your circumstances to give you joy. What are we allow? What are we depending on to give us joy? Are we depending on what our wife's doing, our husband's doing, what our job is doing, what the economy is doing, what the nation is doing? You see, some people have everything materially that you would that you would think somebody would want, but yet they're very unhappy and they bitter with life. And then you have somebody that they don't have much materially. And they've been through tragedy after tragedy, but yet they can't wipe the smile off their face. They can't because their heart is filled with the joy of the Lord. You know what that tells us is that what it tells us about joy is that joy is not dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on circumstances. Paul believed that we can have joy no matter what. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. So Paul teaches us that we can have joy despite what we're going through. So today I want to talk to you about maintaining your joy no matter what you go through. Because how many of you know you will have opportunity to lose your joy? You will have many opportunities to give up your joy. But we're talking about not just getting joy, but maintaining the joy of the Lord in your life. So we're going to talk about it today, about three secrets to experiencing joy no matter what. Secret number one is keeping your mental focus on the right things. Keeping your mental focus on the right things. How many of you know that's important to keeping your joy? Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, you know, what you think about is where your where your life is going to go. I've learned that my thoughts have tremendous power over my life. Have you learned that yet? What I allow my mind to dwell on has tremendous power in my life. And if I can learn to focus on the right things, I will do much better at maintaining and keeping my joy. It's true that our lives tend to move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Whatever's dominating our mind, whatever's dominating our thought life, it tends to move our life in that direction. Amen. And so listen, Paul continually experienced joy because I believe because he focused on the right things. He focused on the right things. He didn't allow his circumstances to totally preoccupy his thinking. And I want you to notice what Paul says in Philippians 1 and 3. Remember, he's writing a letter from prison to the church of Philippi, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's writing to him what he says to begin. I thank my God every time I remember you. What was Paul mentally focusing on? He was focusing on the church at Philippi. He was focusing on them and where they were. But you say, but Paul, man, have you considered where you are? He didn't consider where he was. He was worried about the church of Philippi. And so Paul was focusing on the church of Philippi and he wasn't focusing on the problem of being in prison, but he was focusing on the blessing of making a difference in Philippi. Amen. Are you all catching that? He didn't focus on the problem he was going through. He focused on the blessing that God had allowed him to receive. Paul learned to focus on the right things. And so listen, if we're going to maintain joy, 
There's always going to be something that will try to grab our attention to try to monopolize and preoccupy our mind. But we got to learn to focus on the right things. Amen. So listen. So three things to remember concerning your mental focus. Remember what you focus on mentally affects you emotionally. What you what you focus on mentally will affect you emotionally. Amen. How many of you agree with that? So if you allow your mind to focus on the negative, your natural emotional life will go in the gutter. But if you focus on the right things, your emotional life will tend to head that way. Amen. And so that's what Paul did. The second thing to remember concerning your mental focus is remember to focus forward on life's possibilities. You know, listen, some people don't have joy because they keep rehearsing, rehearsing, refocusing, relooking at the things that happened back there in their life instead of looking forward to what God might have ahead of them. Amen. And so listen, Philippians 3.13, Paul said, but but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What did he do? He looked forward. Paul learned to forget his mistakes, his failures, his disappointments. He didn't quit. He didn't keep visiting those disappointments, those failures, those negative things. What he did was he kept looking forward. And by looking forward, he had hope for what God had for him in the future. Amen. Regardless of what it is that might steal your joy, things you go through, don't put a, you know, pitch your tent there. Amen. Don't build your house there. Keep looking forward. So looking, listen, Paul learned to look through the windshield instead of the rearview mirror. Amen. And listen, if we're going to maintain joy, we can't keep looking in the rearview mirror. What if, should have, could have, and all that stuff. We got to keep looking forward. How many of you know God's got a plan? Amen. So listen, Paul looked through the windshield of life's possibilities instead of the rearview mirror of life's disappointments. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you're going to maintain joy, it's not a question whether you're going to go through tough times. You're going to go through negative things. You're going to go through setbacks, disappointments. It's not a question whether you're going to go through them. The question is whether you're going to keep focusing on those things and looking at the rearview mirror or whether you're going to look at the windshield and say, God, where are we going? Amen. The third thing to remember to help keep mentally focused is remember to keep the big picture mindset. You can't just look at this one day in your life or this one month of your life. You got to keep looking at the big picture. How many of you know God's got a big picture? He's a big picture God. And so two questions to ask to keep a big picture. God, how are you using my circumstance to further your purpose? How many of you know God doesn't waste an experience? God doesn't waste one situation we go through. But we'll, with everything, use everything we go through for his purpose. Amen. And listen, Paul learned God was using his suffering. He learned to see his disappointment of being in prison, his resistance, his persecution of ending up in prison. He learned to look at that as a positive that God was using his disappointments, his suffering for for God's purpose. Listen to what he says in Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. 
See, Paul focused on how God was using his suffering to advance the gospel and to encourage the brethren to be bold about their Christian faith. How many of you know God will use your example? He will use what you go through to help the body of Christ move forward. Amen. Listen, God will use our suffering, our failure, our setback. He will use it to promote his kingdom if we'll just keep the right attitude and the right mindset. Listen, you know, just thinking about that, I remember whenever I got so miserable in the oil field, I was so miserable. Every time I I was on the way to work, I'd be crying, Lord, deliver me. Come on, how many of y'all have been there? I don't want to go there no more. Please, God, help me. I was miserable. I hated it. But, you know, I look back at it and I could see that the reason I was so miserable is God was trying to help me. He was trying to help the brother out to leave the all field. But I would have never left it as long as things were comfortable. But he allowed me to go through this misery. Lord, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not strong. You know, I'm doing everything I know to do. But the Lord was allowing it. Why? Because he was trying to advance his purpose. He was trying to advance his kingdom. So listen, the God that you serve, he's not dead. And he didn't fall asleep on the job. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. If he knows every hair that falls off your head, he knows what you are facing. He hasn't fallen asleep on the job and forgot that you are one of his children. He knows when a bird falls out of the sky. He knows when you hit your knee. Amen. And so we got to remember that he's going to move forward his purpose. I remember, you know, um, I remember going through these things. I remember suffering at different times in my life, but it was always for God's advancement after you go through it and you look back. Haven't you noticed after you've gone through something and say, wow, wow. You know, I was thinking the other day about Nick and Emily's house not selling yet. Lord, don't you know they want to go do a work, a great work there in Boise, Idaho? How many of you know the Lord can sell that house in a minute? Amen. So there's a purpose. There's a reason why it hadn't sold. If you look at the big picture, is God in control or what? Come on. How many of you believe that God's in control of Nick and Emily's life? Amen. Come on. Do you believe that? If you believe it, say amen. Okay. I got another question for you. How many of you believe God is in control of your life? If you believe that, say amen. God knows where you at. Amen. So the second question to ask to keep a big picture mindset is God, how are you using this to better my life? How are you using this to better my life? Second Corinthians 417. We have small troubles for a while now, but they are helping us to gain an eternal glory that is much greater than the troubles. We set our eyes not on what is what we see, but on what we cannot see. Paul reminds us that our troubles help us gain blessings that far outweigh our troubles. Amen. Romans 8, 28. And we know we know that God causes how many things? Everything to work how together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. So to help keep your big picture mindset, remember that God is going to use everything you go through. He's not going to waste one experience. 
He's not going to waste one event that you go through. He's going to use everything. It don't matter whether the enemy threw it at you. He's going to grab it out of thin air and he's going to use it to help you out, getting you where you need to be. Amen. So we need to be encouraged. Amen. You heard that story about the mother bird. You know, you know how the mother bird finally gets rid of those little chicks in her nest? You know, listen, life is pretty good for them little birds. They just sit there in that downing in that nest that's all fluffy and they just sit there and they just chirp, 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 chirp. And mama goes out, flies, looks hard, find a little worm, brings it back to the nest and say, as soon as she gets there, they say, chirp, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me. And here you go. She feeds them. After a while, she gets, oh, listen, I've done enough worm finding for you. Time for you to go worm finding. And so, but they don't want to get out of the nest. And so she starts taking some of that downing out of the nest. So they start to try to settle down in that nest and they got things pricking them. And they don't like that. They say, man, there's something wrong with this nest. And the mama's got a plan. She's trying to get them out of the nest. And so finally they jump on the edge of the nest and then she might just nudge them out there. Or they might see something outside that they like and they just, and they just, they lose their balance and whoa! She'll go grab them, bring them back. You know, Tiny, I've been watching, there's some mama birds, some, some little, some little chicks that have learned how to fly. But you know what? If mama wouldn't get rid of that downy, we would never learn how to fly. You know, that's why parents sometimes we gotta quit paying bills. Uh oh! Why? So our kids can learn how to fly. Solo. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But listen, listen, listen. God sometimes allows us to face some some uneasy things in our life because he's got a big picture mindset. He's trying to work in our lives something that we would otherwise never learn as long as our life was comfy. Amen. Y'all with me? You receive that this morning. If you do say, I receive it. Secret number two to experiencing joy, no matter what, is maintaining a lifestyle of prayer. Three, four, amens. I must say it again. See if I can get a couple more. Amen. And the second secret to maintaining joy is maintain a lifestyle of prayer. We underestimate the value of prayer. Say, oh man, Todd, I just, I'm not, I'm just not one of those people, you know? Well, if you want joy, you gotta be one of those people, you know? Amen? Come on. Philippians 1, 3, 4, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Notice joy is in the same sentence with prayer. I believe one of the reasons Paul was able to maintain joy in his life was the fact that he was a man of prayer. How many of you know that prayer? Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not the joy of a higher pay at work, but the joy of the Lord. How do you get joy in the Lord? You get the joy of the Lord by spending time with the Lord who has the joy. Amen. You got to spend time with the one who can give you joy because it really comes from him. See, the problem is many times we depend on our circumstances to get joy instead of depending on the Lord to get joy. But depending on the Lord is where that's the joy that somebody can't steal from you. 
That's the joy that somebody can't take from you. Amen. See, prayer was was really key in Paul's life. That's why he could say, rejoice always, my friends. See, prayer served Paul in three ways. Number one, by helping him maintain his focus on the right things. Prayer helped him keep his eyes on Jesus instead of the problems. And see, our problems, they scream at us. They wave their hands. They say, look over here. They're trying to get our eye. They're trying to get our attention. Our our problems have an advantage because it's in the seen realm instead of the unseen realm. But we got to learn to get our eyes off the seen realm and get it on the unseen realm. We got to get our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And so it helps you. Prayer helps you to focus on the right things. Remember when Pete, when uh, Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat, go across on the other side. I'll meet you over there. And so they're rowing to the other side. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water and they're like, oh, a ghost. They were terrified. And so Peter, Peter says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come over. So the Lord said, come on, come on over. Let me read it to you. Matthew 14, 27. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, then uh, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got got down out of the boat and he walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. He said, you, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Now, what's interesting about this story is that Peter was walking on water as long as his eyes was on Jesus. But whenever he started looking at the winds and the waves, he started sinking. There's a great, there's a great truth there. When you start looking at the winds and the waves of problems and failures and disappointments and and setbacks in your life, you're going to sink. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to walk on water. You're going to walk above your circumstances. You're going to walk above your situation. Are you hearing me today? Get your eyes off your problems. Get them on Jesus. And Jesus is going to help you get back to the position you need to be in where the joy of the Lord is. Amen. Number two, prayer served Paul by allowing him to do spiritual warfare. I mean, you know, poor Paul experienced warfare. Remember, it's him that said in Ephesians 6, 12, our fight is not against people on earth. We are fighting against the rulers, authorities, the powers of world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in heavenly places. How many of you know Paul experienced warfare in Philippi? He was experiencing major spiritual warfare. Remember in Acts 16, we read it last week. He was trying to preach the gospel and this little slave girl said, follow him, follow him. And then she was following him everywhere and finally got exasperated. And he said, come out of her. What was that? It was a demon. It was warfare. It was opposition. And you remember later, remember, remember there was... Uh, the, you know, he ended up in prison because he he messed up people that were making money by doing ungodly things. He was under major spiritual opposition, but prayer allowed him to do warfare. Can I can I just encourage you today? Not all your problems are necessarily your problems that you cause by your decisions. There's an enemy that that don't want you to succeed. There's an enemy that don't want you to have joy. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to be heavy. He wants you to live without the joy of the Lord. 
And he'll do everything he can to keep you out of it. So you prayer allows you to do warfare in the name of Jesus. Come on. How many of you know there's power in that name? In the name of Jesus. Number three, prayer served Paul by positioning him to receive supernatural help. One of the main reasons Paul experienced the Lord's outrageous joy was because he was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the power of God. How many of you know the power of God will give you an edge? The power of God. Remember how Paul learned to go through different difficult situations. Again, we read last week in Acts chapter 16. Remember Paul and Silas, they were stripped and they were beaten and they were thrown into prison. Remember that? What did we find Peter? What did we find Paul and Silas doing while they were in jail? The Bible says in Acts 16, 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. The doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. How did Paul get out of the difficulty? He was praying. He was worshiping. He was singing hymns to God. You see, listen, praise attracts the presence of God. Prayer attracts the presence of God. The best thing you could do when you're going through difficulty is pray and praise. Pray and praise. Why? Because it attracts the presence of God. And whenever God comes on the scene, it ain't going to be the same anymore. Amen. How many of you know the Lord will change it? Many times it's prayer that causes us to get the breakthrough. You know, I was thinking about a little while back. You know, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. And there was something I was dealing with that was bothering me. You ever had something bother you? And when you wake up three o'clock in the morning and you think about it, all of a sudden your, your, your engine starts revving, you know, and you can't go back to sleep. Your mind is going a thousand miles a minute and you are so awake. It's unbelievable. And then you get mad because you awake and then you get more stressed out. And then the chances of going to sleep are highly likely. And listen, while I was going through that, I didn't have joy. And so I was like, well, I might as well get up and read or something and stay here in the bed for the next three hours. So I got up, went into the living room, grabbed my, my iPad, read some scripture. And then I started praying. And after about an hour of that, I got the breakthrough. And I went back to bed and I slept. Amen. So what's the point? The point is sometimes we're just one hour away from being in prayer to get our joy back. Amen. We just a little, we're just getting along with God, talking to God about our problems. Is it's going to solve much of our joy problem. Amen. So through prayer, the Lord can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your sorrow into joy. So the Bible says in Psalm 30, verse 11, you have changed my sadness in a joyful dance. You have taken away my sorrow and surrounded me with joy. How many of you want to be surrounded with joy? Whenever you get surrounded with joy, man, it's in an unbelievable place to be. Amen. And he can turn your sorrow into dancing. He can turn your mourning and the joy. Amen? 
So another secret of having joy, no matter what, is to maintain a lifestyle of prayer. Don't wait till you're discouraged to start praying. Pray now. Amen. So whenever you go through disappointing times, it's just going to be a natural reflex for you to get by yourself with God and talk to God. Amen. Because listen, not everybody's going to recognize what you're going through. Not everybody's going to know. Not everybody's going to be sympathetic. Listen, sometimes you're going to find yourself all alone like nobody else on the globe exists. And nobody understands. Nobody can feel what you're going through. Well, let me remind you, you have a God in heaven that knows exactly what you're going through. Not only does he care, not only does he know, he's going to help you get through it. Amen. Amen. Secret number three to experiencing joy no matter what. It's learning to trust God in all circumstances. Sometimes we're not experiencing joy in our life because we're heavy with worry. You know, that's that's the deal. You know, what I just explained to you about what what woke me up is a situation that I couldn't control, that I was worried about the future of. And it was laying, weighing heavy on me. Sometimes we lose our joy because we're heavy with worry and we're overcome by concern. Of our circumstances. How many of you know that will steal your joy? You know, there's one thing to be burdened, but it's another thing for, for our situations to totally consume our life, to overtake our life, to weigh us down so much. But in Luke 12, 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you're going to eat or what you're about your body, what you will wear. Listen, if you have a family member that's struggling with addiction or having health problems, it's, it's only natural for you to be burdened about that. It's only natural, but don't allow your burden to become so big that it totally takes over your life. You got to learn to take those burdens and throw them on the Lord. Let him carry that thing. Amen. Let him hold those things. Because by the way, he's the only one that could change it, right? Jesus said, what can you add to your life if you worry about it? I mean, we worry, we worry. It's like sitting in a rocking chair. We're expending a lot of energy, but we're getting nowhere. Amen? We get nowhere. So listen, worry and being overly concerned about your circumstances will steal your joy. How many of you know that? Question, how many of you are worrying right now? And that's why you lost your joy. So to maintain your joy, you have to be delivered from being a worry wart. You ever heard that statement? A wor- you are a worry wart. I worry. I can't help it. I worry. Yes, you can. You can help it. You can be delivered. Got to learn how to trust God. Amen. One reason Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians was because he was worried. He was concerned about the church of Philippi that he didn't have a chance to go over there and visit with. This church that he he was beaten for, this church that he sacrificed for. He worked hard to get this church where it was. And we say sometimes, but Todd, you don't understand. I worked hard to get this. The apostle Paul understood and he was worried about it. But although he was worried and burdened about the welfare of the Philippian church, he learned to trust God. He learned to trust God to work out the Philippian church spiritual battles. And we got to learn to trust God. Listen to what he says in Philippians 1, 3. 
Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news and about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. But I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, I'm learning to trust God to work it out, to fix and resolve everything that you Philippians are dealing with. And I am confident that the God who began this church is the God who can finish this church. Amen. And so, listen, there are times whenever I lost my joy. I remember whenever, uh, you know, whenever I was young, much younger, before I was married, and I was serving in all these people's weddings, you know, and I said, Lord, I'm tired of serving in somebody else's wedding. I would like to serve in my own. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody here? And so, you know, I was like, Lord, you know, I'm getting older. Hello. Have you forgot about your servant, Todd? And so it was really stealing my joy. And then came across that verse, Psalm 37, 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Listen, this verse turned my morning into dancing. It turned my situation around. Because listen, one thing like that can totally steal your joy and make you a depressed person. Amen. But this verse term, trust God, delight yourself in the Lord. He will do it. The promise of God, help me, encourage me. But the question is, will I trust God or not? I remember when Brother Francis was ready to retire from this pulpit right here. He said, I had a dream and this this uh, this 18 wheeler almost uh, almost ran over this this Volkswagen. And 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 he interpreted the dream and said, Todd needs to take over. And I was sitting right there where Tanya was. And you saw in the cartoons when when somebody hits a wall and they get flat and they just fall down. I felt like I just got hit by that 18 wheeler and I felt like I was just falling underneath a pew. And I was like, oh, my goodness, no. And I was overcome by worry. I was overwhelmed with worry. Man, I don't know. Hey, I don't know if I can do this. The worry and the anxiety stole my joy. And it will yours too. But you got to trust the Lord. Amen? Confidence and reliance in the Lord will set you free from the burdens that steal your joy. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. That's the verse that set me free. Todd, can you build the church? Can you pastor the church? No, I know too. Trust me. (laughs) Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in Todd. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Do not depend on your ability. Do not depend on the arm of trusting in the Lord. Is putting your complete confidence in Him. Amen? Trusting the Lord means you quit relying on yourself to work things out. And that's what the Lord told me. Quit relying on you. Don't trust yourself. 
Trust me. Okay, God. Psalm 125.1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are steady as Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstance. Man, that's a great verse right there. Those who trust in the Lord are steady as Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstance. Listen, the more we trust in the Lord, the more our emotions going to stay level. Come on, trusting in the Lord helps keep your emotions level. You might, you know, you, you'll have some highs, but you're not going to go through the roof. You're going to have some lows, but you're not going to go into the pit. It'll help you keep joy in your life. How? Trusting in the Lord. Amen. The key to trusting God. Philippians 1, 6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Do you believe that? The key to trusting God and maintaining your joy through the circumstances of life is believing that God that began the good work in you, that started your salvation, is able to keep working in your life, working out your salvation and getting you across the finish line. Amen? I believe the real question is, do we trust God? Do we trust Him with all our circumstances? Do we trust that He will do it? Do we trust that we can rely on Him? Do we trust His nature and His character? How many of you know He's trustworthy? Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's close in prayer. Joy no matter what. The psalmist said in Psalm 37 and 25, he said, I was young and now I am old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Are there children begging for bread? How many of you know God has a track record? He has a track record of being faithful. He has a track record of seeing us through. Somebody in here today, somebody in here today needs to know that they can have joy without their circumstance changing. They can have joy before the solution comes. They can have joy right now, instantaneously, right away. Why? Because it's not based upon what you're dealing with. It's based upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you are a child of God, you're saved. You've been born again. Then the Spirit of God is in you. And I want to remind you that the fruit of the Spirit is the joy of the Lord. Amen. Joy comes from the Spirit. Joy comes from your relationship with God. Joy comes with your inheritance. Because you're saved. You got all these blessings. And listen, sometimes a million, a million dollars won't help you. A hundred million dollars won't help you. Sometimes the only thing that will help you out is the blessing that comes from your inheritance in Jesus Christ. It comes from your relationship with God. Thank you, God, for the joy of the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Amen. Just bow with me. Listen, if you're here today and listen, you're not in right relationship with God. You've never been saved. You never asked the Lord to forgive your sins. I want to pray for you today that God would bring you in. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray for me. I want to make sure that I'm saved. I want to make sure. Raise it high. Don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. This is your day. This is your opportunity to come out of darkness. The Spirit of God draws us. And He may be drawing you today. If He's drawing you, just raise your hand. Wave it like a flag and say, Todd, pray for me. I don't want anybody in this place to leave here not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. But number two, I want you to just trust God. Come on, just close your eyes. How many of you today would say, Todd, I've lost my joy because of a circumstance. But today, I want to get my joy back. I want to have joy no matter what I go through. 
And I want prayer. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just right where you are. Come on. Come on. Right where you are. Just raise your hand. Raise both of them. Raise both of them. And raise them towards heaven. Raise them towards the Lord. Come on. Raise them to the Lord right now. Come on. Raise them to the Lord. Come on. Where's your focus? Get your focus off your problem. Get your focus off your circumstance. Come on. Turn that over to the Lord. Just put it on His plate. Get it off your plate. Put it on His shoulder. Get it off your shoulder. Come on. Just turn to the Lord right now. Come on. Let's pray now. Let's pray. And let's ask God to help us. Come on. Let's ask God. God, come on, tell the Lord, Lord, I need your joy. I need your joy today. I want your joy. I don't want to be overcome by discouragement, by depression. Lord, I don't want my mountains to sink me. Lord, I want to walk on water. I want to walk above my circumstances. Come on, pray. You talk to God right where you are. Lord, I need your help today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, you see the hands that are raised. You see the hearts that are open. Lord, God, I pray that, God, you give them a supernatural breakthrough right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. How many of you trust the Lord? How many of you trust God? Come on. We'll make a decision right where you are. Say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I know you're not going to let me sink. I know you're not going to let me fall. Lord, I know that you're going to get me to the other side. Lord Jesus, thank you for helping me. Come on. Just surrender your life to God. Surrender your problems to God. Come on. The Lord wants to get the weight off your shoulders today. He wants to give you that joy, outrageous, contagious joy, that unspeakable joy, that joy that gives you strength. Come on, some of you need strength today. Strength comes in the joy of the Lord. Come on, Lord, strengthen your people with your joy today. Lord, I pray for the spirit of joy to be released over this house. The joy of the Lord is the strength of the house. It's the strength of the believer. It's the strength of the overcomer. It's joy that gives us the edge. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you're releasing your joy right now in the mighty strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that received that and agreed shouted and said, Amen. 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 Praise you, God. Amen. You received this this morning. You received this word.